So we're going to jump right in and uh, just start talking about something today, tonight. Um, and I know we spent some time last year, that's funny to say, last year, it was just a couple weeks ago, last year we wrapped up our um, series that we were doing for quite a while on the gifts of the Spirit. I hope you guys learned something. I hope you were able to gain some knowledge there about the manifestations of the Holy Spirit and how He works and how He wants to, to move in our midst. And uh, we're expecting, amen? I'm expecting. So um, we're going to move on to something new. Are you guys ready for it? Hallelujah. Well, I think we've done a great job laying a foundation here in Dive over the past year, couple of years. And, uh, you know, we've talked about faith a lot. We've talked about prayer a lot. We've talked about the gifts of the Spirit. We talked about good topics, right? We preach the Word around here, amen? Um, I want to start with something tonight that's a little bit different. Because um, you, you guys know there's some weird stuff going on in our nation, even like right now, like this moment. Weird stuff. And uh, I'm going to reach in my pocket right here. I pulled this out. Y'all know what this is, right? It's a silver dollar. It's a special silver dollar. It is a uh, bicentennial silver dollar. 1776 to 1976. How many of you remember 1976? Come on, Darren. 1976. I tell you why... I called you out there. tell you why um, that silver dollar is uh, special to me. Um, I remember 1976. Um, I was like an eight-year-old kid. And in my grandparents' hometown of Rockford, Alabama, how many of you have been to Rockford, Alabama? Not too many, amen. Well, there was a bicentennial parade. I mean, people came out from the woodwork to the parade, and it was a it was a bicentennial celebration. Red, white, and blue everywhere. Horses and wagons in the street. Now, people had cars in 1976. Don't think, you know. But we had, we had horses and, and wagons in the street. And, and people dressed up in their, their celebratory red, white, and blue bicentennial. It was a patriotic time. Amen? And even before that, as a little girl, like, you know... Um, man went to the moon in 1969. I was watching it. I was only four months old, but I was watching it. It was good. And then, you know, in 76 was the bicentennial, and this silver dollar reminds me of that every time I see it. I remember those days and my grandparents. And, and then, you know, in, in 1980, President Reagan was elected, and that was a good time. And then shortly after that was the 1984 Olympics, the Summer Olympics. I mean, I don't think there's been another one since then. It was just so good. You know, Mary Lou Retton flipping around in her red, white, and blue suit. And I mean, everybody had some patriotism going on. You know what I mean? And, and then... In 1986, I was sitting in class. We were watching the space shuttle go up into space, and it exploded. Remember the space, the space shuttle Challenger? You don't remember that, do you? 
it's a history thing to you. We were watching it. It exploded. It, and, and, I mean, it was a sad moment in our country. And there was a lot of patriotism there that, that day. And, um, and then, of course, most of you remember 9-11-2001 when our country was attacked and, and there was patriotism that day, that, that several weeks and months even after that. And um, it just got me thinking about American patriotism and how it used to be so expressive in our country and how along with patriotism was a, a biblical worldview. It was part of being a patriot. It was part of everyday living, holding those values that the Bible calls biblical values, worldview based on the Bible and what it says. Amen? It was part of being patriotic. And I don't know what's happening in our country, but I want to read you some... uh, I pulled out some statistics about a biblical worldview. This is from uh, uh, Barna. You know, George Barna does reports and things like that. This is from a Barna report. It said the latest national survey, which was done this past year, about the worldview of Americans show that although 7 out of 10 consider themselves to be Christians, well, that's not too bad, right? 7 out of 10 of those asked, said, I'm a Christian. Out of those, only 6% actually possess a biblical worldview. 6%. That's, that's one out of 16. So how many people are in this room? Let's say there's 16 in here. Only one person in this room actually holds a biblical worldview. That's sad. That's sad. That's bad. That's really bad. It says only one-fifth of those attending an evangelical Protestant church has a biblical worldview. One-fifth. And that has declined by 50% over the last 25 years. And a mere 2% of those who are 18 to 29 years old possess a biblical worldview. That's two Two young folks out of a hundred. That's terrible. That's pretty bad, right? Um, This one says, Americans who believe that the Bible is true is down by 21% since the year 2000. People aren't believing that the Bible is truth anymore. Um, This other statistic is a redefinition of God. And it says, a slim 51% majority of Americans believe a biblical view of God. They are more confident about the existence of Satan than they are of God. That's really bad. 56% contend that Satan is an influential spiritual being. But only 49% fully convinced that God truly does exist. 44% uh, uh, believe Jesus Christ sinned while He was on the earth. And over half, 52%, say that 
The Holy Spirit is not a living entity, but merely a symbol of God's power and presence and purity. That's really scary. Um, there's more things I could read to you. There's um, several different worldviews that have come into play over the past few years. There's one called um, New Spirituality. Uh, it says all people pray to the same God or the same Spirit, no matter what the Spirit's name is. We're all praying to the same God. Um, it says, New Spirituality says, if you do good, you receive good, and if you do bad, you receive bad. Basically, karma. Karma is a popular part of this worldview. It says that God helps those who help themselves. And at least 61% of Christians embrace one of these weird worldviews. Secularism, belief, must be proven by, by science to know that it's true. So it's, it's belief in science over God, basically. A person's life is valuable only if society sees it valuable. And... Works is the way that you earn yourself into heaven. Works. Secularism and postmodernism is another one. No one can know for certain what, the, what meaning and purpose there is to life. Goodness, if that was the case, Pastor Allen's just blowing smoke on Sunday morning telling everybody to pursue their purpose. When this postmodernism says... There's no way to know your purpose, so just float through life. And this is most disturbing. What is morally right or wrong depends on what an individual believes. Wow. So, you know, I could go on with that, tell you some more stuff. The truth is, is that um, we're kind of in a mess. The, the world is kind of in a mess, you know? And I've been asking myself, uh, actually today, I've been really kind of sad for our nation. I've been, like, wanting to cry. It's, it's really sad to watch what's happening on the news. I've been watching um, Victory Channel. That's all I'll turn in, tune into that or uh, Right Side Broadcasting, or one of those that'll tell us the truth. And... Um, it's sad. It's sad to, peop to see people behaving the way they are, to see them believing things the way they are. And I've just been sort of being like, why? Why is it this way? Why is the world gone this way? Been thinking about why, why are we here? Why, how did we get here? And I really think that God is about to reveal some things and, and cause a shift back a shift back to a worldview that is more biblically backed. But I think, I think the biggest problem, and that's what I'm going to talk, talk about tonight, the biggest, the biggest problem, the key to this whole thing is this. People don't know God. They don't know God. They don't know who He is. They don't know what he's done. He's not an actual real thing or real person. They don't know what he's provided for them. 
They don't know who they are in Him. They don't know who their enemy is. Austin gave me some, some keys to this. I appreciate it. It's been a great research. And, and I'm upset that the world has gotten to a place where we don't know God. We don't, we don't know God. We don't know how to interact with Him because we don't know who He is. We don't know Him. And the world's gotten this way. Our worldview is shifted because people just don't know God. And that you can say there's some factors that have contributed to it. You know, you, we can blame it on the internet. We could blame it on, you know, technology. Well, it's the, it's the internet's fault for giving everybody a platform. Or we could blame it on scientific advancements, you know. Um, we're just too smart to believe in God anymore. We're smarter than that. You know, that God stuff, that's for, you know, ignorant people. I'm smarter than that. We could blame it on that, right? We could blame it on the church. We probably could blame it on the church. Well, you know, church is boring and old and, you know, all those stuffy people go there. It's not relevant to my life anymore, so who needs it, right? Maybe the church has not been relevant to some, in some ways. Maybe we haven't spoken out when we need to. Maybe we haven't shared information that needed to be shared in a loving way, but still shared it. Maybe we've been silent too long. You know, we could blame it on the culture. We got this way because of the culture. You know, all the movements. We had the, the civil rights movement in the 60s, and it, I mean, it was hard to work through that, yes. But it had a purpose. It was a good thing because every person deserves civil rights. But then once that was established, everybody thought they could get their, well, I'm going to have my own movement because I, I want what I want and I'm going to have a movement to get what I want. So, you know, you had your LGBTQ movement because they want what they want. We're going to make a movement or, you know, an abortion movement. There was a movement for everything. So we, can, we could blame it on cultural movements. We could just blame it on being just too busy. We could just blame it on ourselves. Well, I just don't know God. I just had not had time to know Him. I have, my life's too busy. I've had all this and that going on, and I hadn't had time to really. We could blame it on a lot of things, couldn't we? It doesn't really matter what we blame it on. The fact is, is here we are. People don't know God. Here we are right here today. We look out into the world and we're seeing a lost and dying world because people don't know God. They don't know who He is. And so how do we fix it? How do we fix 94% of Americans' worldview? That's a lot of people. That seems like an, a, a job that we just can't get it done. It's too big. 94% of people don't have a biblical worldview. That seems overwhelming. So we could say, well, let's just get rid of the internet. We'll go back to the 1950s. We'll relive the glory days. Right? We can't do that, can we? We cannot. That's not going to happen. So it's a scratch. We're not going to do that. That's not going to happen. We've got to make some new glory days. Amen? <laughs> The solution to this is within us. And we may not look like many, but the solution is us. The solution is us. Lord, if I looked at you and said, 
You know, Lord, if you're not going to heaven, what would you do? You'd argue with me. You, you would like argue with me, right? Yes, I am. Oh, no, Lord, if you're not. No, if I said you're not, you'd be like, I don't know why you're telling me. Yes, I am. Wouldn't you? Would you defend yourself if I said you weren't going to heaven? Also, if I said, I'm sorry, you, I've, I know God's changed his mind. You're not going to heaven. Would you just receive that? Okay, Miss Michelle, if you say so. No, you would like, you'd argue with me, right? You'd stand your ground. You would, huh? Yeah, you would throw me out of here like you've lost it. You're crazy. I mean, you would defend your position, right? You would defend your position in Christ. Amen? I hope you would. You would be fully convinced. There, There would be no if, and, or but about it. You know you are saved. Right? We, that, that's for everybody in here. I hope. Alright, but if I came to you, Austin, and I said, you know, I know you think you're healed, but you're not. You're really not. I know, I know you think you're delivered, but you know, you're not. I know you think that you've been protected, that you've got some protect, but no, you don't. Would you be that convicted about defending that position? People defend their position of being saved. I am saved. I am going to heaven. Don't tell me I'm not. But if you were to tell them the same thing about healing or deliverance or... Well, they're kind of wishy-washy on that. Why? Why are we that way? Doesn't salvation include all of the things I just said? Doesn't salvation include healing and deliverance and protection and provision? Isn't that what the word salvation means? Right? Why would we waver in that area? You might say... Well, I believe healing. I believe I'm healed, but... And see, there's the big but. The big but. The big but. That's what we're going to say. The big but. Write it down, Jordan. The big but. I believe I'm healed, but... I feel so bad and I'm so sick and look at all these symptoms and let me tell you what the doctor said. Okay? Or, yeah, 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 I believe God provides, but, you know, I'm broke, and have you seen my bank account? Look at this stack of bills right here. Do you hear that little word in the middle, that, that big butt? In other words, you believe, but you don't really. You believe, but you don't really. I'm going to call this message, which side of the butt are you on? (laughs) Which side of the butt are you on? So I'm going to talk about believing for a few minutes because, you know, what you believe is your worldview. Amen? 
I think the, the Barna report, this thing that we were looking at, all those statistics, they are like that because of something called, and I've been wanting to share this with you guys, something called mental agreement or mental assent. You ever heard that term? Mental agreement? People who operate in mental agreement, they read the Word and they think that they believe it. They think that they believe what they read. They even say they believe it. They even will quote scriptures to what they think they believe. Like they think they believe it. But, there it is, but when the pressure comes, they don't act on what they think they believe. They don't act on what they said they believe. When they need to apply the word or their belief to their everyday life, everyday life wins instead of what they believe. They say things like, I believe the Bible from cover to cover. You know, it's true. But then, when they post something on Facebook or tweet something or when they go vote or when they support something, it does not reflect what they just said they believed. Right? People substitute mental assent for a heart belief. Mental assent is just a head belief. It's head belief. Mental agreement is just head belief. And they substitute head believing with heart believing. They agree in their head that the Bible is true. They admire and reverence the world of the Word of God. The Word of God is honorable and, and they, you know... They admire it. They confess that every word is true. But nothing in their life reflects what they say they think that they believe. They say, yeah, I believe I'm healed. And then they turn around and get on Facebook and tell everybody how sick they are. That's, guys, that's not... That's not right. That's not how we can... There's no victory in that. We can't be those people. We've got we to come out of that. We've got to recognize God and who He is. You can't say you believe the Bible is true and then get on Facebook and tell everybody how awful your life is. Okay, somehow our head faith and our heart faith doesn't match up. Somehow, what we think we believe is not coming out of our mouth or coming out of our actions. Real faith believes the Word and then says it and then acts on it. Right? Sadly, most Americans, we're talking about Americans, this whole report was all about American Christians. Most Everybody say most. Most. That means almost all. That means more than some. Most American Christians are in mental agreement 
with God and his word. Just mental agreement. That's why that report said seven out of ten say they are a Christian. It doesn't add up. Seven out of ten say they are a Christian, but only six percent possess a biblical worldview. See, something's not adding up there. If seven out of ten said they are a Christian, then 70% of people should have a biblical worldview. There's a big difference in 70% and 6%. So somewhere in those seven out of ten, you take those seven out, something's off. Because that's less than half a person that actually has a, a worldview, a biblical worldview. Something's messed up. So you can't call yourself Christian and then walk around in the, way, in the ways of the world and deny what the Bible says. And you may be saved. I'm not condemning someone and saying if you don't have a perfect biblical worldview, then you're going to go to hell. I'm not their judge. But how about let's let reflect who we are on this earth, what's on the inside of us. Amen? And so we got to fix something. We got to fix something. We got to fix it with ourselves first. I mean, if only one in 16 people have a biblical worldview and there's 16 people in this room, there may be someone in this room that needs to make some adjustments. I'm not pointing a finger, could be me. But we got to make some adjustments. We got to we got to check ourselves. Are y'all ready for a checkup? We need a checkup. We got to ask ourselves if we are a mental a center. Do we really act on the word when the pressure comes? Do we really? Ask yourself, do you really? We got to get serious. We got to we got to really figure out what's going on because there's some really ugly things happening in the world. And people are lost. People are lost. And they say, they're, they say that they're a Christian. They say that they're doing okay. But they're believing in things and putting their words and their actions towards things that don't reflect the Word of God. And as a church, we've got to start speaking up. As a church, we've got to start speaking out. Calling out. If we don't make these changes, we're going to lose the whole world. We're going to, you know, it's doom and gloom and, and all this that you see on the news. The whole world's going down the toilet or whatever. It actually could. If we don't rise up and become who God says we are. Right? Head faith says, I believe the word, but look at the size of this problem. Do you see the but in the middle of there? I believe the word, but look at the size of this problem. I believe that by the stripes of Jesus I was healed. We all raise our hand and say we believe that, right? I guarantee you, everyone in this room, if I said, do you believe by the stripes of Jesus you're healed? We'd all say, yeah. Then comes the but, 
but I feel so sick. The doctor said this, so, you know, there's the but. And you got on one side what you think you believe, and on the other side, what you really do believe. Head faith is really butt faith. It is. Head faith is just butt faith. But this, but that. You know, I know what the Word says, but, but this. And look, all of your family and your Facebook friends, they'll give you a lot of help with their own buts. I know you're believing God for healing, but tell me what's really going on. Won't they? But on the other hand, heart faith says this. I see the problem. Now, there's, a, there's a but in the middle of the heart faith too. I see the problem, but I'm looking at the Bible. See, heart faith doesn't ignore the fact that there's something there. There's something going on. There's some circumstance in your life. There's some, you know, symptoms coming against your body. We don't walk around and say, Bless God, I, I know I'm healed, and just ignore the fact that, you know, you need to go to the doctor. You ha- There's things you have to address in the natural. But where's your faith, is what I'm saying. Heart faith says, I see the issue, but I'm standing on the Word. I believe what God says. I see what's going on in the natural. I see it. I recognize it. I see you there, but let me tell you what the Word says. And that's what's coming out of your mouth. And that's where your actions are. Right? Heart faith always finishes a statement like this. I believe God, and I don't care what it looks like. I believe God. Amen? Alright. So we've got to check our heart. We've got to see where our real connection is. We've got to do these two things. First, the only way to believe God's Word with your heart is to spend time feeding on that Word. Spend time feeding on the Word. You've got to get the Word rooted. How are you going to come back against some circumstance, circumstance in the world with the but if you don't know what you're standing for, what you're believing where, where, where's your foundation? you got to have some roots. You're only going to grow some roots by cultivating and, and you know, you got to work. The Word doesn't get planted on the inside of you just magically. you got to work. you got to have so much truth in you that there is no room for doubt. Amen? The only way to do it is to feed on the Word. You ever go like to grandma's or whatever and you eat and eat and eat like at Thanksgiving and you, I can't stuff another bite. I, I just, you took that last little bite of dressing just to fill in the gaps and now you just are topped off. There is no room for anything else. I'm full up. 
that's how we got to get with the Word. So full of it that there's no room for any doubt to come in. Amen? You cannot believe God with your mind. Everybody point to your mind. You cannot believe God with your mind. Because your mind is always going to remind you of the problem. Your thoughts are always going to remind you of the problem. So you can't believe God in your mind. You can't believe God with your feelings or your emotions. Because feelings and emotions are going to go like this based on the circumstances. Up and down. One happy moment, one minute you're crying, one minute... You can't believe God with your emotions. And you sure can't believe God with your body. Right? Your body will always tell you either how bad you feel or how good something else will feel. You can't trust God with your body. You can't, you can't use your body to, to, to tell you what God's telling you. When God's Word takes root in your heart, when you get so full up that there's no room for anything else, you can be strong. You can believe the Word. And you get so full up till the Word just comes out. The Word just comes out when, when uh, you're standing there so full of the Word and some circumstance punches you in the gut, you just vomit out the Word. I'm being for real. That's how full of it you got to be. The second thing you got to do is act. Act. To act means to do something. The first thing you got to do is get full of the word, and then the second thing you got to do is to act. It means to do something or say something. Right? If you're fully convinced of something, then your actions and your words are going to reflect and support that thing. Is that right? If you do those two things, if, if just this, how many's in here, if, if we would be those who are so committed, I don't care if it's 6% of, the, we can be 6% of this whole city. If we are so full of the Word, and, and it's in us, and we act on it, and that's who we are, and there's no doubt. If we are fully convinced, we do these things consistently, I'm going to tell you what happens. There's a conversion that will take place. A conversion is going to take place. When you meditate on the Word, and you speak it out of your mouth, the head faith, the mental information is converted into revelation knowledge. You got all the information about the Word. You've read it. You've studied it. You've memorized Scripture. A lot of us do that. A lot of people can, can quote the Bible. And you memorize it. You get it in there. And then you start acting on it. And you get full of it. And you start doing and saying what it says. All of a sudden, all that information that's in your head will start being converted into revelation knowledge. And you're going to see things and know things and do things that you never thought possible. 
Right? Revelation knowledge. I, I can't explain what revelation knowledge is exactly, but it's a knowing, a knowing, a knowing, an understanding. The, the brightest light comes on in your head and you know something. Right? Did you know a lack of revelation knowledge will cause you to live way below your privileges in Christ? You got privileges. We've talked about the benefit package that Jesus gave us. But without revelation knowledge of what that is, you live way, you live in poverty level. You're living in poverty, and I'm not talking about money. I'm talking about the privileges that you have in Christ. You don't even know what they are. Right? Without revelation knowledge. But when you get a revelation of God, how special you are to Him, what He's done for you, what His promises are for you, you can be able to walk in every. Every good thing. Every good thing. Heart revelation is the key to changing this worldview right here. Heart revelation. Not all this head knowledge about God. Anybody can know about God. Satan knows about God. Anybody can know about the Bible. Revelation knowledge is what's going to change this worldview right here. Amen? It says in Acts 27-25, it says, Wherefore, sirs, be of good cheer, for I believe God, that it shall be even as it was told to me. That's Paul. He's in a storm. And he looks at the rest of them and he says, Y'all don't worry. I believe God. I believe God. How could he stand in the middle of that storm and say, I believe God so boldly? How? He had revelation knowledge. He knew God. He knew God. He didn't know about God. He knew God. Because you can't say, I believe God and really mean it if you don't know God. You don't have revelation knowledge of Him. You can't say it. You can't honestly say it. And that doesn't mean that here's a storm coming. He's in a storm. Bad stuff's swirling around Him. That sounds familiar, doesn't it? Did He say, well, you know, when this storm is over, that'll mean that God was with us. But if we die, that means God wanted us to die. No, He... He had revelation knowledge. I believe God. I don't care about the storm. Right? I believe God. I don't care about the symptoms in my body. I, I know they're there, but they got to go because God said. And I believe God. I believe God. There's something bigger, something better something higher to believe in than just what the world tells us is, you know, the worldview of the world. Something better. 
We have God. And we have His Word. We can't really believe the Word, though, until we know God. We've got to know God. How many of you think you know God? I know God. I mean, it's okay if you know Him. You say, I know Him. I know God. I mean, we all can say, I know about God. I know about God. I've been reading those Bible stories my whole life. I got them all memorized. I can quote them all. But there's a difference in knowing about God and knowing God. Knowing God. Who is God our Father? I'm going to say it again. Who is God our Father? God our Father. See, it's easy for us to know Jesus because we could see Him. And we didn't really see Him, but he was a, there was a manly picture of Jesus. He walked and He talked and He did stuff. It's easy for people to know Jesus because you got a, you know, a mental picture of Him. But we need to know God. Now, Jesus is God. God is Jesus, you know. But it's easy to know God in the sense of Jesus. Because Jesus was visible. But there's way more to God than what people know. And that's what we're going to study. You guys want to learn some things about God? I'm talking about God. We're going to know God. We're going to dig into who God is. We're going to start at the very beginning. In the beginning, God. And I'm going to tell you about God over the next few weeks. We're going to talk about God. In the beginning, God. It's big. We've got to know God. We're going to know God. If we're going to change this worldview and see people come to know who He is, we've got to know Him ourselves. We've got to get to know Him. Amen? So that's where we're going. You guys ready? All right. Let's um, pray and then we'll come back next week. You guys get to studying about God.